Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario. I have my whiskey poured. Do you? Let me... So, so I just poured me a glass of uh, Elijah Craig. I got and... So You got what? I got some Windsor Canadian whiskey. Mm, Canadian, huh? Hey. Oh yeah. Hey. hey, so um, check this out, bro. Before we begin, I just wanna I wanna tell you a funny story. So, I um I met this guy yesterday. It was a drill weekend. Yeah. And I met this guy new to our unit, and we started talking. And then I mentioned to him that I was uh, in Jabal Ali. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, oh, he's like, you're the infamous Alvarado. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. He's like, all the Gurkhas talk about you. <laughs> he goes, all the Gurkhas say Alvarado this, Alvarado this, Alvarado that. I'm like, oh, shit. So apparently, apparently I made an impact over there with the Gurkhas. Hell yeah. Those, the Gurkhas so, are awesome, man. Dude, big shout out, shout out to the Gurkhas, to the Nepalese people, uh, fucking great, humble people, beautiful country, uh, fucking honor working with those guys, man. It really has been. Those guys were every day, every day I get, uh, especially when we were in, uh, Bahrain. Bahrain, yeah. Yeah, man. Coffee, tea? Sir. Tikapi, <laughs> fucking miss that shit. I miss it too. Those guys were something else. Hell yeah. Um. So how you been, Brett? Awesome. My life has awesome. been an upward spiral. I'm glad, man, because the last time we spoke, uh, things were a little shaky, huh? And yeah, they were a little shaky. Okay. So I'm 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 happy to hear that. Things are turning up for you, man. Both, both of us, both me and you. Because, um, yep. although I, I, I've been hiding shit, dude, I've been going through it too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, I moved out of, moved out of the city. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I moved into a, I moved back down home where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moved into a camper. Okay. Hear me out. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually the best thing I've ever done. Okay. I I hear you. Just the freedom to mm-hmm. explore, man. Right. I I kind of envy you, man, because uh, you know me, man. And see, all right, let's 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 get this started, right? So, uh, me and Brad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna address the, the listeners out. So, me and Brad are two very different individuals, right? We come from two very different worlds, and yet <clears throat> somehow. We connect. We have certain things in common. And I think one of those things is the fact that we both, uh, even though I don't show it as much, we're both kind of introverts, kind of like being away from people. Being, We like the open space, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think that's one of the things that I appreciated about Red. Uh, when we work together. And... Um, yeah, man, you never thought, I mean, it's, it's like a very odd friendship uh, uh, that, you know, we, that we have because you would never, no one would ever see me 
and think that and see you and think that oh these guys would eventually start calling each other brothers and you know and have such a strong you know connection <laughs> we are them boys mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure so let, let's uh let's talk about our experience in the in the reserves right Oh gosh. Um, I'll, I'll start it off, and then I'll, I'll ask for your opinion. Yeah. So, all right. So, talking to, from the perspective of the Navy, the Navy Reserves. So, when I joined, I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, I thought it was just going to be the one week in a month, the two weeks out of the year, which for the most part it is. But I discovered soon after that that in the Reserves, there's so many options to choose from you can actually choose your own orders you can go in orders as much as you want there's people going from back to back to back to back orders and just stacking up deployment money uh there's adsw orders adt orders so many special orders that you can become a part of i've met guys who were attached to seal team units as reserve ma's you know what i mean so <laughs> the opportunities are endless and i i never knew this so when I hear the active duty side, you know, when they're, they're uh, calling the reservists weekend warriors and, and saying this and that, I, I kind of, yeah, you know, I, I either laugh it off or I agree to a certain extent. But I know the reality is a lot of reservists come with a lot of amazing experience, not to mention a lot of reservists, especially in the MA community, happen to be deputies, happen to be police officers. You know, I met one who was a uh, master chief and MA as a reservist, but was a chief of police, you know, in his, in his hometown, you know. So they're bringing all this experience from the civilian side. And on top of that, they have so much experience of things that they've done on the reserve side. Um, I don't know if you remember the master chief that was with us in Bahrain. He, um, right. he, he, uh, he'd gone to missions in Central America, you know, um, uh, what was it training the security forces over there and even at some point getting into gunfights with the fucking drug smugglers over there you know what i mean yep and and we're talking about people in the reserves the weekend warriors <laughs> you know so yeah. uh that's just my my perspective my experience but what, what what is your what has been your experience in the reserves the reserves is what you make it exactly listen yes the minimum is one week in a month two week two weeks a year that's the minimum. That's your obligation. But your Navy career in the reserves is what you make it. Because you like, there's some reservists that, you know, I'd hate to say it, but some of them are more motivated than active duty guys. Some of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some of them are like, some active duty guys are just, you know, like they've never experienced the civilian world. So, like, they, mm-hmm they don't understand how good that they actually do have it. Like it's hard out here. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. And having the chance to go overseas, you know, to volunteer rather than being voluntold. <coughs> right. Or, you know, or if you do get your name drawn out of the hat, it's okay because then your job is going to understand and they're going to, and you're going to go off and do great things. That's mm-hmm. my the reserves. So. And, and there's so many benefits to, to the reserves. Like, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, this weekend, I did my reserve duty, my drill, my drill duty. And I also double dipped. I also got paid for my job. 
not only that, my days were shorter. My, my two work days were shorter. I went home earlier. I got paid the same full day at my regular job in the same full day at my drill weekend. So I, you know, so there's better, <laughs> there's benefits to this shit. And this is all legal, you know, this is all, you know, supported by law and, you know, it, it, it could be a pain in the ass sometimes, but at the same time, there's a lot of benefits to it, especially if you work a government job that supports it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I was reading statistics about uh, the reserves in all of the previous wars since the Cold War. Yeah. And, and uh, I was amazed at how many reservists have died in the line of, of duty, you know, or, or in combat. Uh, another thing that people don't understand is reservists, we are, our specific task is to be ready, you know to be ready yeah. for deployment at any time. That, that's, our, that's the reason we exist. So say a war breaks out, right? Now, all the active duty people have a job to fulfill. We are the people who get called upon immediately. All the reservists need to, you know, check in and boom, get sent out. You know, like that's, that's how it works. So I'm, I'm not, I don't, not at all, I respect the active duty side 100%. And they have to live this fucking life every day. We only live it once in a while. But what I'm saying is, give us our props, <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, what can you say, Brett? Like when we were on deployment, how many of us, uh, you know, experienced hardship and, and uh, we lost relationships? You know, some people came back and were divorced. Some people I know a guy who's uh, who was going through a divorce and his, his uh, wife maxed out all his credit cards, you know, and. I knew a guy who got cheated on. Another guy got cheated on. You know, uh, I mean, the stories are endless, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah, they, they for sure are. Like, I mean, I was fairly certain, you know, that my now ex was cheating on me when I was gone. Mmm. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and now I know you. You've had a you've had a hard time coping since you got back, and I mean that not in a not coping like in a, in a in a way that you can't function. But I mean, like you've mentioned to me many times that you want to go back, that you miss it, that you don't find any peace out here, right? So how did how is that going? Well, it took some. It took a realignment, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It took yeah. a realignment in life to kind of to kind of gauge where my life was going, and I've decided purpose is my calling. Mm-hmm. Like and service. That's why I got this deputy job now, okay. and I feel congratulations. By the way, yep i got I got it, and I'm super stoked about it. And I cannot wait to get started and start this career path. Mm. And like, like it, it fills that void of feeling like you've, like you're, like you're, how do, how do I put it? Serviceable. We'll just say that of the yeah. void of feeling serviceable. Right. You know, of having purpose. Exactly. Right. 
<clears throat> I felt the same way for a while um, when I got back. Being out there in, well, first of all, being in Bahrain, Bahrain, <laughs> uh, or even being in Jabal Ali, just being out, period. Even though, you know, the job at, at some points got repetitive, I felt, I still felt like there was a purpose to yeah. what I did, you know. And once I got back, uh, and not having like my relationships being broken with the, my family, my significant other, uh, and then not finding the same brotherhood was also hurting me. Not finding the same type of, 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 of uh, you know what I'm talking about, man. That 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 friendship goes beyond not friendship, finding, you know. Not finding another bread, right? And not finding another bread, <laughs> and you know what. Uh-huh. Not finding another dozer, not finding dozer. another. Listen, I know I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna pronounce it, you know, white guy like, but Mondongo, Mondongo, yeah. <laughs> Mondongo. <laughs> yeah, man, not finding that those brothers, you know, out here in the civilian side, it, it really like affected my state of mind. Uh, ramped up my drinking, you know, uh, it's just depression overall. But, uh, you know, we've all been, I think I, I've been talking to you and, and Almodovar and Dozer, and we're all making progress in our own way. You know, I, I, I'm happy that in our own way, we're making progress. Also, the, the, the uh, bond that we have and, and the support that we have for one another, dude, like, I really find that amazing. You know, like, if one of us is going through something, we know we can call each other right away. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's that's amazing. Like I, we still have that brotherhood, you know. We do, and we'll have it for the rest of our lives, man. Mm-hmm. For sure, absolutely, bro. I, I mean, you're you're a brother for life, man. When when me and Brad said goodbye to each other at the airport, <laughs> oh lord, that hit me deep. Bro, it, it I knife in my heart, dude. For real, I I I shed a little tear, man, as I walked away. <laughs> And we had our last drink, you know, at the airport. <laughs> no. Uh, sorry, sipping my whiskey. Um, so anyways, I wanted to get into the, the second topic that I want to cover with you. <clears throat> uh, talked about the brotherhoods, deployment. Um, let's see. Let's get a little bit into uh into history because I know you're a fucking uh history buff like me. <laughs> Have you been reading anything lately? Um Napoleonic Wars. I watched a video a YouTube video on it. So what can you tell me about that? Oh, he was from a little island co- uh called Corsica to mm-hmm. stop out. And he went he was from a a minor noble family, so he wasn't like a rich noble, but he wasn't like a peasant either, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the way French society was. But <laughs> right. um, he was a minor noble, so he went to France to military school to learn, you know, tactics and all that. But he was already gifted with that knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. just miraculously already gifted with it. Right. And 
And uh, so eventually he worked up to, I think it was Brigadier General. Right. Right. He had, he had his own little, you know, his, his own troops to command. Right. And he single-handedly beat back the Austrians in the, I can't remember what war it was. It was like mm-hmm. the first Napoleonic War is what is mm-hmm. what it refers to. Right. You know, but yeah, up into, and then eventually he worked his way all the way up to Emperor of France. So. So, um, you do, you, you, uh, remember the, what, what was the story with him in, uh, I think France, was it France that owned, um, Louisiana in uh, that like the whole mid section, uh, mid section of the U.S. Yeah, the Louis it, Louisiana Purchase. Right, it was it was from France that we bought it from. Right, uh, with, I think it was who Thomas Jefferson. It was actually Napoleon. Yeah, but who, who? Uh, oof. I want to say it was Thomas Jefferson that bought it, but that uh, purchase that, that made that purchase. Yeah, I want to say that too. Let me let me double check so we don't talk out of asses. Because if there's another history buff listening to this, they're gonna be fucking pissed. Yeah, they're gonna uh, be they're gonna be a little livid. <laughs> who purchased uh, Louisiana? Uh, France. Da, da, da. Let's see, Preston. What president? By? Yep, Thomas Jefferson, bro. Sweet. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'm not too rusty. And that was in 1803, October 20, 1803 is when we bought Louisiana. Uh, and Louisiana actually came with almost the entire Midwest, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah a large, large everything from, dude, Nebraska came out of the Louisiana Purchase. If it wasn't for the Louisiana Purchase, then you'd be French right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Unbelievable. The way if the way we acquired uh, territory, the, the United States, right? Like uh, starting with the East Coast, um, then we had the Louisiana Purchase, then we had the whole West Coast, right? California, Texas, and um, I think we bought Florida from, if I remember correctly, from Spain. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think. Yep. It's some somewhere in the uh, mid eighteen hundreds. Nope, you know what it was? Uh-huh. It was a, it was a war. I think it was a war be, between U.S. and Spain, and they blamed it on the blamed the USS Maine on Spain to oh. gain. And, yeah, uh, absolutely right. Okay, and then Andrew Jackson uh, casted out the Seminoles down there. Right. Right. Shit. God, I'm I'm so rusty on my history, man. Um, let me see. So it was also it was also Thomas Jefferson. Wasn't he responsible for the tariffs? And that's when the Coast Guard really started to to become a a, uh, a useful tool, right? Because the the initial uh, purpose of the Coast Guard was to uh, enforce. Tariffs, if I remember correctly. I, I don't know think if you, so. Let me see. Coast Guard. Um, 
Let me see. I think they were under Department of Treasury. Let's see here. Right now, they're Homeland Security, right? But um, I think Coast Guard initially was uh, part of the Department of Treasury. Let me see. So it was created in August 4, 19, uh, 1790 by Alexander Hamilton as the Revenue Marine. Okay, the Revenue Marine. And uh, Secretary uh, Seagoing Service of the United States, as Secretary of Treasury, Hamilton headed the Revenue Marine, whose original purpose was collecting custom duties, see, at U.S. seaports. By the 1860s, the service was known as the U.S. Revenue Cutter Service, and the term Revenue Marine gradually fell into disguise. So that's that's exactly what it was. So the it, Coast Guard initially was made for um, for collecting revenue. So terrorists. So kind of like what Trump did, right? Yeah. Uh, you know the idea of terrorists have existed from the foundation of this country. You know, and uh, I I remember when Trump brought up the the topic of terrorists, I was like, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> uh, you know, and a lot of people, a lot, especially because you know I live in California, so a lot of people were pushing back on me, and and they were like, "Oh, you're you're uh, uh you know, they call me all kinds of names. You know, you're a coconut. You know, you're white on the inside, brown on the outside." <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, I'm just saying, I I agree with the idea of tariffs. You know, especially like how how do you expect us to be competitive? Right, because." You know, California, it just ships across the Pacific, and there, right there's China. Yeah. You know, so, but we, this isn't what <laughs> the podcast is about. Anyway. Dude, the podcast can be about anything. That's the beauty of it, especially once I start getting tipsy off the whiskey. Like, I just deviate from the topic, dude. Like, that's the beauty of, of just having a, a podcast. We have our topics that we talk about. But that's just kind of a guideline, you know, and eventually you have you, you start opening up a, a conversation and it just deviates, you know, but we're still kind of staying on the topic of military, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Enforcing tariffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, let's talk about when we were in Jabal Ali. Do you remember the uh, the uh, the Coast Guard, the, the little cutters that, that used to come through? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I can't tell the difference between their security forces and and ours. Like we look identical, same uniform. Yeah, these guys wear the same shit we wear. See, so, you yeah. know, so I could never tell. Like, what is that? What, what the fuck is that? Is that a coastie? Is that a sailor? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell, man. Uh, fucking coasties, man. Yeah, I think honestly, I think that the Coasties are more badass than we are. Honestly, know about that one, we're the greatest Dude, people. I don't know what you're talking about. They do actual law enforcement. You know, they do actually like the homeland security type shit. Yeah. Okay. All right. You think it's just the whiskey, me? Nah. Yeah. I... Okay. You good. <laughs> Fuck. I'm still getting over this cold. 
Brett. Yeah, what's up, man? What is a a memory? A memory? Your, your favorite memory of us on deployment. It could be either from when we went to Bahrain or when we went to Jabal Ali. Oh, boy. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh-huh. When we went out drinking in Bahrain, <laughs> and I said that I would raise your kid if anything happened to you. Oh, shit. That's right. I said I would take him under my wing. <laughs> yeah, man. And we both got hammered that day. You know what I remember of that day? What's up? Uh, you talking to those two Saudi guys. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was going on about religion, man. Right. <laughs> and they were like, they were just kind of entertaining it. They, they were entertained by you. You were, you were just, because you were drunk, you know, and you were just talking and they were just kind of yeah. smiling and looking at each other and just going along with it. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, luckily you didn't say anything uh, insulting, dude, because we would have gotten fucked up. You know, I, I, I was respectful. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were chill too. They were like, at the end of the day, man, you know, Jesus is fucking. You know, you know, Jesus, whatever, you know, we all worship basically the same religion. Right, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think my experience with, uh, like, Saudi people was pretty good one. I got to talk to a few of them while I was out there. I was drunk most of the time, but still, you know. <laughs> I remember there was this one Saudi guy that came up to me one time. And... Yeah. He starts uh, talking to this girl, and the girl kind of gets creeped out and leaves, and so he stays with me. <laughs> and he goes, "My friend, my friend." He takes off his fucking slipper and he shows it to me. He shows me the brand. He's like Google, and I go, "Okay, oh, you can go ahead." Okay. Oh my man. Okay. Awesome, man. And. I can tell. I'll tell you, them Saudis are—they're they're actually nice folk. It's just I think they're a little backwards sometimes, but they oh, can be man. nice. Yeah, but um, let me finish the story real quick. So this dude takes off his slipper and he tells me to Google the brand, right? So I Google it, and that fucking slipper, the pair of slippers, is about seven thousand dollars. Jeez, yeah, smart. I go, right, and I go, what the fuck? And then I go, I ask him, what, what, what do you do? Is the oil, like oil fields or what, what, what's your deal? And he goes, camel farm, camel farm. <laughs> he owns a camel farm. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. So what I'm, what I'm getting at, these people out there are rich as fuck, like to another level of rich, you know? Yeah. I know here, uh, here in America, we like to demonize the, the ultra rich, but in Saudi math, these people they are rich. hooked up. <laughs> oh, that's that's the other thing to me. You kind of connect. So me and you, we uh, disagree on a few social issues, right? But it, we kind of also agree on a lot of things. We do. So it's I know one of the things. So. You are kind of uh, libertarian, correct? 
Yeah. All right. So I I don't have a home. I don't have a title I could put on myself, but I I agree with libertarian ideals to a certain extent. You know, I've gotten a little more open-minded since then. I'm kind of like, like, honestly, I was part of the Yang gang, man. I I liked Andrew Yang. When- I thought that was crazy, but you know, Yang. And the, the interesting thing about Yang and the UBI is that universal basic income is actually kind of a libertarian ideal. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I was down with Yang. Um, I was absolutely down with Tulsi. That I really like Tulsi, and I wish he would have gone further. Like, uh, those were the two Democrats that would have had my vote. Right. And, and me too. Uh, you know, initially I supported Bernie a lot. Yeah. You know, a lot of people find that strange. And they're like, how the fuck do you... I supported Bernie because I felt like he was a sincere. Yeah. But um, I also feel like he was a, uh, a cuck. At some point, yeah. he kind of betrayed his base. And also, I kind of changed my ideals on the whole uh, healthcare situation, the, the um, education because I came to realize, especially during COVID, you know, I came to realize that this country has very different foundations, obviously, than Europe. Yeah. So while I think it's a good idea what they do in Norway, what they do in Denmark, I think it works for them perfectly because of the way their foundation is, the way their economy is ran. I think that that would not work in the U.S. because our culture is very different it is very you know, different. Yeah, the way we think is extremely different. We value different things. You know, we kind of value individualism a bit more in Europe. You know, they're more about collectivism. They're more about, you know, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. All I'm saying is we function a certain way because of our foundation. Our main purpose or the, the way we were founded was to get away from Europe, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I realized this, especially during like 2019, 2020, is when I really opened my eyes to this this fact. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why it probably wouldn't work in the U.S. You know? Yeah. You know, I kind of like a little bit gave way a little bit. I was like, if we ran it like Germany, I would be okay yeah, but you fucking love Germany, dude. You're German, Bredemeyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come here. <laughs> Danke. <laughs> dude, Germany was lit. It really was awesome. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. I always say, I always tell you, uh, Brett, you have that fucking barbarian. You have the barbarian genetics. Like, all right, let, let me explain, right? When I look at you, yeah. yeah, I know your 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 stature. You're a little bit more on like a, a on the smaller side. You're what like five seven, ish. Yeah. Okay, but when I look at you, I look at your bone structure, right? Your wrist, your hands are fucking wide. You know, for a small guy. Yeah. And then you you grow a glorious fucking beard, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you're just, dude. You have the barbarian genetics in you. I can I can just see. Like bread back in the day, just with a fucking axe, just killing Romans. <laughs> you know me. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe they could hear some of the stuff that we said on post. Ooh. You know, Ooh. the things that are said on post stay on post. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, th- the things that are said on post stay on post. Especially for you, man. Don't think I forgot. <laughs> we we have some of the worst most dark horrific humor we do ever uh you know i i try to um suppress that as much as i can especially on the civilian side yeah definitely they wouldn't understand <laughs> No, absolutely not. I I really try to suppress that because, and sometimes I accidentally say something inappropriate, and people yeah. just, you know, they they're like they're like jaws drop, and I'm like, oh fuck. Oh, I <laughs> there goes my job. Yeah. But you know, it's all it's all a coping mechanism, really. Something that we develop. Hell yeah. How's your drinking been lately, man? Nah, I've been just sticking to beer. Have a couple mm-hmm. beers after I get off work and relax. and That's about it. This is the first mm-hmm. time I've done anything hard in a long time. <clears throat> I've been, uh, dude, I've, I've been like drinking like crazy, man. I've, oh, I started cutting back a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've been doing okay for the most part. I've just like I, I'll go days without drinking, and then I have one drink and then I binge. But right now I kind I'm kind of controlling it, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad, like right now, that whiskey that I poured is strong as fuck, but it was the last drop in the bottle, so <laughs> so I was gonna keep me. Unless I hop in my car and go buy more, but I don't think I'll do that after drinking this. But you know what? I I forbid you. <laughs> what we're doing now and you have a good time yeah yeah i still have half a glass and i'm already feeling this dude this whiskey is no joke it cost me 90 dollars. damn yeah man it's no joke like this thing is strong and it doesn't help that i don't i don't put anything i don't dilute it with ice or anything it's just straight whiskey dude that i'm pounding right now <laughs> I, i'm fine <I'm laughs> with some dew Oh, you put some dew? Oh, the mountain dew. Ah, fuck, it burns my soul. Ugh. Dude, this whiskey, man. Oof. Hey, Brad. Yeah, what's up, man? Since I'm a little tipsy, do you want to sing with me? What do you want to sing? I don't know. Let's uh, let's see. What can we sing? What's a good song? Tequila. What? Tequila. What about uh? Do you know that song uh, "Country Roads"? Yeah, 
All right, let, let's see if I can fucking hold on. I'm a little tipsy. Let me drink another sip of liquid courage because I can't sing for shit. Can you hear my guitar? Yeah, I hear your guitar. All right, you got to help me out on this one, Brad. Okay. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, the dog river. Life is so older than the trees, younger than the mountains. Country roads take me home to the place I belong. Red Virginia, mountain mama, take me home. Country roads, one more time. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, mountain mama, take me home. Country roads. Yeah! Fuck, man. All right, I'm definitely tipsy right now, man. This whiskey is no joke. <laughs> mm. All right, well, we've been going on for 40 minutes. Do you have any closing statements, Brad? I really don't, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy talking to you, bro. <laughs> this was another episode of Whiskey Talk. <laughs>